0: We're going to get into the word together go ahead and open your bibles to john chapter 12 as we continue through the gospel of john we come to sort of a transitional passage here at the end of john chapter 12 and uh john's about to give us a a bit of a summarization of jesus's message up to this point as you turn there let me ask you a couple of questions how do you feel about what's going on in the world today not good, thumbs down, one star out of five, (laughs) I wouldn't recommend it, yeah, a lot of problems, right, I mean, regardless of, regardless of your view on different political parties and all that kind of stuff, there's a lot of problems, right, how, how, have you asked yourself lately, I don't know, how have you said, or maybe even just said to yourself, I don't know how this ever gets better, I don't know how we're going to fix this, I have. I've thought many times, uh, uh, especially recently, like, man, I I don't know. It just feels like we're heading down a path that's not going to be easy to get back from in a lot of different ways, in many different ways. How do you fix this broken world? Let's look at John chapter 12 together. I think we'll find some answers. Verse 44, Jesus cried out. The one who believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. The one who sees me sees him who sent me. I have come as light into the world, so that everyone who believes in me would not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and doesn't keep them, I do not judge, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and doesn't receive my sayings has this as his judge. The word I have spoken will judge him on the last day, for I have not spoken on my own, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a command to say everything I have said. I know that his command is eternal life, so the things that I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me. Let's pray as we look at this word together. Father, by Jesus' own confession here, you spoke to him and through him the message that you want us to hear that you made yourself known that all who saw Jesus and even still today that all who see Jesus see you would you make yourself known here in that same way this morning reveal yourself through word and through deed Make yourself known, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let me table that question of how are things going to get better. I think the answer will become clear as we go through this. You have a handout that we gave you on the way in. There's just three points that I want to make today. Don't get excited. It'll take me a painfully long time to make those three points. But there are just three points that I want to make. The first one is this, that Jesus is God revealed to us. Jesus is God revealed to us. How do we know God? How do you know what God is like? Well, let me back up. What is God like? Answer that question in your own head. What is he like? What are some of his characteristics? What are some things you know about him? What does he like? What doesn't he like? Now, is it time for the Steeler game? Is that what's going on? don't worry it won't be worth watching (laughs) I should take this moment to acknowledge a couple of Browns fans that we have here (laughs) okay my friend Carlisle is visiting from Ohio and uh this really isn't the year to pick a fight with Browns fans this is not this is not the year to talk smack I wish you would have come any of the last 20 years any of the last 20 years would have been fine not this year God bless you man God bless you uh where was I? What were we getting was talking about? Um, I think I was talking about Jesus. How do, we know, how do we know God? How do we know? How do you answer that question? If you have an answer to that question, it is because he has revealed himself. He has made himself known. There are, there are people today, many people who believe that you can't really know God. That he doesn't really reveal himself in a way that we can perceive. That he exists, but that he is mysterious and that he is hidden from, from our ability to experience him and to know him. Christians don't believe that. That's not the Christian message. The Christian message is that God has made himself known, he has revealed himself. Do you remember the beginning of John's gospel? John, John organizes his gospel. By the way, let me just give you a couple of mile markers here in John's gospel. So he organizes his, he structures his gospel in a very organized fashion. He starts with this prologue where he says in the first 18 verses of, of chapter one, this is what I'm getting ready to tell you. And then he shows us through the life and ministry of Jesus for the next 11 chapters, everything that he said he was going to show us in the first 18 verses. And now he, in verses 44 through 50 of chapter 12, he says it again. He says, let me just reiterate for you the main ideas here of Jesus's life and ministry. And from, from 44 to 50 and on, Jesus is no longer going to minister publicly, Now, he's only a few days away from the cross, so it's not like this is going to last a really long time. But right before these verses, we were told that Jesus no longer spoke openly, that he no longer ministered to the masses, but he's still going to do and say a lot. He's just going to do it in private with his closest disciples. But before we get to that, John wants us to make sure that we're hearing what he said in the beginning and what he showed us for the last, last 11 chapters. And so in chapter 1, verse 18, he says, No one has ever seen God, the one and only Son, who is himself God, and is at the Father's side, has revealed him. Jesus is God revealed to us. He is God making himself known. And so we see in our passage in chapter 12... This passage begins and ends with sort of similar statements. It begins with, in verse 44 through 45, Jesus cried out. That means he said this publicly. There's a lot of debate over, over when and how this actually happened like was was john just summarizing like what he had been crying out and i think that's probably the case or was this like he did this right before he went silent publicly i don't know that it matters all that much but this was his message he cried out he said he this is what he said publicly the one who believes in me believes not in me but in him who sent me and the one who sees me sees him who sent me so if you believe in Jesus, you believe in the one who sent him. Who's the one who sent him? The father. Believe in Jesus, then you believe in the father. If you see Jesus, you see the father. Jesus is like me, the father, same <laughs> We're the same. If you, if you believe me, you're believing him. He sent me. If you see me, you're seeing him. I'm like him. And then at the end of our passage in verses 49 and 50, he says, For I have not spoken on my own, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a command to say everything I have said. I know that his command is eternal life. So the things that I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me. If you believe in Jesus, you believe in the Father. If you see Jesus, you see the Father. And if you hear Jesus, you hear the words of the Father. What is God like? How do we know? He reveals himself. He makes himself known. It's one of the better things about him. (laughs) He doesn't stay hidden. He doesn't even make it hard to know him. He invites the whole world to know and to experience him. He reveals himself. Jesus is God revealed to us okay in revealing himself what to what do we learn that's part of jesus's message here the next thing on the handout is this jesus came to be the light that saves us from darkness he came to be the light that saves us from darkness jesus is god revealed what do we learn when when god is revealed well, we learn about, in Jesus' words here, light and darkness. We learn about those two things. Namely, that he is light and that we are darkness. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. Let, let's just look at it together. In verse 46, Jesus said, I've come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me would not remain in darkness. So according to Jesus, where is everybody when he comes in the world? Are they in the light or are they in the darkness? The darkness. The darkness. One of the hard pills to swallow as God reveals himself is that we're not as good as perhaps most of us, I don't want to paint too broadly here, most of us like to think we are. Being the baby in my family, um, being my mom's favorite, I, I didn't ask for it, it just was given to me being my mom's favorite i grew up with a certain level of i must be okay my mom sure loves me when god reveals himself one of the first things that is revealed to us is that we are not like him you might remember last week um, when we were talking about isaiah the prophet isaiah few hundred years before jesus came god revealed himself to the prophet isaiah and what was the first thing that the prophet isaiah realized he realized that he was in the presence of a holy god and that he himself was not holy so much so that he was not fit to be in the presence of god unless god were to make him fit to be in his presence which is exactly what happens the, the, one of the challenges of God revealing himself is that that is not necessarily good news for us at first. The first thing that becomes evident is that he is light and that we are darkness. I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me would not remain in darkness. He doesn't say I have come to, I've come into the world because some people are light and some people are darkness some people are good and some people are bad he comes and he says hey anyone who believes in me won't remain in the darkness what is darkness darkness is simply if if i could just put it simply it's sin it's that we are rebellious against the god who created us it's it's Just as Romans 3 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fall short. We collectively have created and participated in this darkness that is the world that we live in. That's a hard pill to swallow. Many people like to think, maybe all of us. I don't know. I'm not all of us. Many people like to think that if, if, if God were to appear before them right now, that he would just be so tickled with everything that they have done. And, 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 maybe that's true. There is a way that that is possible, but that is not the natural state that we begin in. That is not how our lives begin. We are born into darkness If you have children, you know this is true. They're born darkness. They're born broken. There's there's a reality to this world that I think we sort of dress, we, we tend to dress things up in this world and make it as appear as though they are better than they are. Don't get me wrong. There are so many good things in this world. There's so much evidence Still, in this fallen world, there's so much evidence of God's goodness and of his good creation, and there's so many things that we can enjoy. There's so many pleasing and, and to some degree, satisfying things that remain here as, as remnants of, of how God created the world, but but overall, our natural state and our the natural state of the world that we exist in is darkness. And... and th- we do what we can to hide that from ourselves. We do what we can to try to make it seem as if, as if everything is okay. Yet the darkness remains. And some of that darkness is just the result of the fall of humanity. Way back with Adam and Eve, that fall resulted in brokenness. Things just don't happen the way that they ought to death occurs and suffering occurs and people people hurt and human life is fragile through our through our ministry um, that Kim and I are a part of Reagan's journey which reaches out to families who have kids with special needs uh, we, we've met a lot of families uh, because of our own daughter being born with multiple disabilities We've, we've met a lot of families in that same situation. And uh, one of these families uh, that, that I think has, has probably touched Kim and I uh, a good bit is a mom and her daughter who live in Parker, PA, and her daughter's severely disabled. There have been many times where she's gone into the hospital and it didn't look like she was going to come home, It didn't look like she was going to make it. And yet she's just fought and fought, and her mom has fought for her, and her mom has just given her life to loving on this, this sweet girl. And Kim called me uh, on Friday, and she said that her mom, the mom of, of this disabled little girl, died in a car accident on Thursday. And, man, you just think, Wow. That's what I'm part of what I mean when I say, "This world is, is, is broken. We live in a darkness. I don't mean to imply that nothing ever goes right and that we're never happy and there's nothing good left in this world. I mean that it, at its core, our world is, is broken. It's not right. And all of that can be traced back to human sin. That's not to say that every time someone dies tragically, that it's a, as a direct result of their human sin. It might just be that it was a result of the human sin that started all of this back in the Garden of Eden when man first threw off the command of God and said, no, I'll, I'll, I'll do my own thing here. And since then, the world has been fallen. And, and I don't want to try to untangle all of that messiness of, you know, why do these things happen but I I do want to state assertively that these things happen because we broke the world that God created. And unfortunately, you and I are in on that. And unfortunately, you and I bear some responsibility for that. I read a quote the other day that I thought was appropriate for this message. Alexander Solzhenitsyn. That's my best attempt to say his name. Um, He said, if only it were all so simple, if only there were evil people somewhere insidiously committing evil deeds, and it were necessary only to separate them from the rest of us and destroy them. If only it were that simple, but the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. You and I all bear some responsibility for what's going on in this world. We're part of it. We're part of this darkness. I know that's uncomfortable. I hope that's uncomfortable. But if we're going to understand the good news of the gospel, we have to understand where we start out at. Martin Lloyd-Jones, I can, I can pronounce that name, I'm familiar with that one. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, Christianity says that the trouble with men and women is in their heart, in their ultimate power of vision and understanding. It's not that they are partially wrong, they are all wrong. They are looking the wrong direction. They are blinded at the most vital point. The organ that keeps them going is itself in trouble, the heart. So our Lord puts this great emphasis on first. On heart, on eye, these are a pictorial way of saying that what the human race needs is not just to be improved a little bit here and there, they need to be radically changed. That's the point I want to get at. In all of this talk about darkness and our responsibility and all of us have sinned, I I, I simply want to drive home the point that what we need is not just to be a little bit better than we were, what we need to be is made brand new. What we need is to start completely over. What we need is what the Bible calls as being born again, being a new creation. It's not just that you're mostly good and a little bit bad and if you can get even better that would be good. It's it's that you are darkness. It's that we are darkness. And we need to be rescued from that darkness and we need to be changed. We need to be transformed. And that is exactly what Jesus came to do. So as as God reveals himself in sending his son into the world, the thing that becomes evidently clear is that we are darkness and he is light. And then he he offers to us a way out of that. In John chapter 8, it says that Jesus spoke to them again. I am the light of the world, Jesus said. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. In Colossians, Paul, reflecting on this gospel, says in Colossians 1:13 and 14, he said, he has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loves. In him, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So when God reveals himself through sending his son Jesus into the world, what Jesus is doing is he is coming to rescue us. Paul speaks in the language of different kingdoms. He says the domain of darkness, the world in which we are born into, but not the physical world only, more so the spiritual condition that we are born into. We're born spiritually broken, part of the domain of darkness, part of the problem. But what does Jesus do? He has rescued us, according to Paul, from the domain of darkness, and he has transferred us into the kingdom of the son that he loves. That's what God does through Jesus. In him, we have redemption, redemption, those who are broken, those who are, are, are darkness, those who need saving receive redemption in the son. We're rescued from what we once were. But we're not just saved from something, we're saved to something. We're not just saved so that we don't bear the consequences of our sins, though we are that. We are saved so that we become part of the solution. How do we fix this? That was the question I asked earlier. How do we fix this? All of this. This world. How do we fix this? Is the answer in a political leader? Well, over the past few years, we've tried right and we've tried left. Neither one of them seemed to have been the answer. Perhaps it's time to understand... Though I'm not advocating complacency when it comes to our responsibility and our duties of citizens of the country that we reside in. Perhaps, though, it's time to understand that the solution isn't in man, that the solution comes from God. That only in him will we have redemption and only in him can things be made right. Before we get too far into that, let me give you the third thing on the handout. The third and final thing on the handout is this Without Jesus, we will be judged according to our sins. Jesus is God revealed to us, Jesus came to be the light that saves us from the darkness. So then what does all of that mean for us? How how is that applied to us? And what are the consequences of rejecting Jesus? Well, the consequence is that without Jesus, we will be judged according to our sins. We will be judged according to the darkness that we contributed to God's creation. Jesus says in verse 47, we're, we're in John 12 If anyone hears my words and doesn't keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and doesn't receive my sayings has this as his judge the word I have spoken will judge him on the last day. Jesus is is saying here, not that there's not judgment, simply he's saying that the purpose for which he came into the world wasn't at this time to judge. The Jewish people who were following Jesus largely hoped that he had come to to judge, namely their enemies. They hoped that Jesus was there to conquer their political and their physical enemies. They hoped that he was there to save them from the Romans and to put things back into the right order in in the, the kingdom of the Jews. Jesus didn't come at that time to judge. He didn't come He didn't come to judge, he came to save. He came to save people from a much greater enemy than the Roman Empire. He came to save people from the consequence and the penalty of their own sin. So without him, we just get judged according to our sins. We we Good news. God is completely fair. He gives us only what we deserve. Bad news. What we deserve is far worse than we think. <laughs> Remember Isaiah? What happened to Isaiah? By all accounts, Isaiah is a good dude. So, you know, we... We judge people according to the standards that, that we've set for each other. Whatever those are, they vary from person to person, from culture to culture. But we often think, oh, man, he's a good person. She's a good person. Um, we mean by our standard they're a good person. That's fair. There's nothing wrong with that. By all accounts, Isaiah seems like a pretty good guy. What does he? What happens to him in the presence of God as his eyes see the glory of God? He's no longer good enough. He's about to be judged according to his sins. The same is true of us. John 3. You'll recognize a very familiar verse, but perhaps the context isn't as familiar. Let me read John 3, 14 through 21. Jesus said, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, Old Testament story that you'd have to know know it from the old testament for this to make sense but for that to make sense not for this whole thing just as moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness so the son of man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life for god loved the world in this way he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life for god did not send his son in the into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him do you see okay in john 12 A bit of a summary of Jesus' message. This is not the first time Jesus has said these things. We see it here in chapter 3. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light so that his works may be shown to be accomplished by God. Two options. Light has come into the darkness. Receive and embrace the light. About, you know, fall before Jesus and ex- Accept his sacrifice on your behalf or cling to the deeds of the darkness that we so naturally love. All of us, me, you, every one of us. We do love darkness. We don't love the consequences of darkness. But we love the pleasures of darkness. But if we remain in that state, then by those things we will be judged. The alternative is that God judges Jesus on our behalf. That's what Jesus does when he goes to the cross. The light that comes into the darkness actually pays the penalty and pays the price for the deeds done in darkness. Jesus becomes a sacrifice on our behalf. He takes our place to pay our debt before God on the cross. When when Jesus is dying on the cross, he is not being punished for his own sins, for he had none. He's being punished for our sins. And because he did that, he can offer another way. Because he did that, he can, he can rescue us from the domain of darkness and transfer us into the kingdom of which God has made him head of. That's the good news of the gospel. That we don't have to pay the price for our own sins. But without Jesus, we will. I want to read one more passage. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but you can, if you're taking notes write down first john first john that's different than the gospel of john first john also written by the same john though although that's not always a safe assumption sometimes names come up more than once uh, in the bible there are different johns there's john the baptist there's john the evangelist there are different johns there are different Lazaruses. there are different people of the same name so it's not always safe to assume but the gospel of john and the books of there's three of them, 1 John, Second John, and 3 John, which were letters written by the same apostle. And one of those in 1 John chapter 5, he says, well, I'm, I just want you to write this down, 5 verses 5 through 13. Let me skip to verse 10. This might be a little bit tricky on the slides, but we're going to skip to verse 10. The one, Go ahead and click through until you hit 10, probably one or two slides. Should say the one who believes—there we go, right in the middle. The one who believes in the Son of God has this testimony within himself. The one who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony God has given us about his Son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Verse 12, you can't put the gospel any simpler than verse 12— The one who has the Son has life. The one who does not have the Son of God does not have life. I have written, John says, these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Really, at the end of the day, it's just as simple as that. If you have Jesus, you have eternal life. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have eternal life, and you cannot. You cannot get there any other way. Who else died for your sins? Who else was able to even be the sacrifice that God required? The perfect, sinless sacrifice of the Son of God. No one else has done that, no one else is that, no one else could do that, therefore no one else can rescue you from the domain of darkness and transfer you into the kingdom of the sun. You cannot be saved by any other way, by any other person, by any other means. You cannot save yourself, You're no one on this earth who, who loves you and would want to can save you, only Jesus. The one who has the Son has life. The one who does not have the Son of God does not have life. So, the obvious question is, do you have the Son? What does it mean, have the Son? Well, do you believe? Do you trust in? Have you Is, G, has, is Jesus the Lord of your life and the Savior of your soul? Have you confess your need for his forgiveness and received what he has done on the cross for you and confess your uh, uh, expressed your allegiance to following him to living your life for him I think that's what it means to have the son to receive his his gift of salvation his gift of forgiveness of sins and his gift of eternal life and to have Had your life totally transformed so that you now live for Him. To have a new perspective, to have a new desire, to have new priorities. No longer to be darkness contributing to the darkness, but to be light in this dark world. Jesus invites us into His work of being light in the darkness. He invites us into his work of making the darkness more like the light. Of exposing, not not making it more like, but replacing the darkness with light. So that our deeds done in him might build his kingdom here on earth. Do you have the son? If not, let me ask you just an honest question. What's, What's holding you back? If you were to say, I, I, would, I would give my life to Jesus, but what is, what is it? What is it that's keeping you from giving your life to Jesus? And is that really worth everything that it's costing you? Is it really worth it to hold on to whatever that is that you love so much that you won't give up to have Jesus? Could it really be worth forgiveness of your sins, eternal life, and the opportunity to live your life being light in this dark world? Surely not. Surely what what you are allowing to keep you from Jesus pales in comparison to all that you would gain. I can testify that that's true. I remember growing up as as a as a teenager thinking, "Man, I'll become a Christian later." Right now, I want to just I just want to have fun. I just want to do whatever whatever everybody else is doing. And, and then, what was supposed to be fun became not so much fun anymore. And God used that to break me and turn me turn me to Him. And He saved me. And now I look back and I'm like, "Dang, the things that I thought were I was going to hold on to." And give them up later so that I could have Jesus before I die and still go to heaven. The things that I thought were better than Him, they pale in comparison. There is no comparison. And you will find the same is true. It's worth a shot. It's worth finding out, isn't it? Let's pray.